You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Woods of Vancouver Island. Welcome to the Soda Pod. Isha Dromi here alongside the state of Hoppy. And thank you for joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. Streaming on Sunday. What a weekend of hockey it was, both you know, for the at well, the collegiate level and also in the National Hockey League. Before we get into all that and more, how's it going, man? Uh, I think you kind of just teed up a lot of it. It's uh pretty typical Minnesota fashion to go in with a 75% chance of getting a Minnesota champion and well, coming out on the other side, empty handed, but you know what? I got a lot of beer and a lot of pizza that we're going to be talking about here in a (laughs) minute from some friends. So uh, that turned my mood around. We're good. Yeah. I mean, well, flipping it over to the the national hockey league side, the Minnesota wild on our last episode, we said needed, uh, needed some critical wins here and go from the high of absolutely destroying the abs to the low of getting Banked by the St. Louis Blues and then blew another one in overtime uh, on Saturday as well. But again, we'll get into some NHL talk. We got plenty of beer talk on tap in the hoppy hour with uh, with our new friend, actually, from Lift, uh, Liftbridge Brewing. So really excited about that. Hoppy got another hell of a gift package that, uh, that if you haven't seen on Twitter, at uh, State of Hoppy, I'm sure you'll talk about on this episode, uh, episode 144 of the Soda Pod. We'll get into the wild talk. We'll get into NCAA talk. Uh, of course, we'll get into the trade deadline weekend in the National Hockey League. Not a lot of other news, but that. Uh, it's Sunday, so we've got the Tim Peel's hot mic of the week. And uh, like I said, we've already teed up a little bit of the NCAA talk here, but it's Sunday. It's our final segment of the show. We'll close things off with some MNCAA. Uh, thanks, everyone, tuning in on the live stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. As always, you can follow the SodaPod at the SodaPod on Twitter and Facebook. And if you miss the live stream every Sunday and Wednesday, you can go back and watch the video as well. Thanks to everyone doing that on YouTube. Our YouTube uh, views are starting to uh, skyrocket, as they say in the biz. <laughs> so we thank you very much. Okay, enough of me. Uh, on the other side, the hoppy hour presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. 
First, I'd like to propose a toast to UMD goaltender Alex Stalock. To Stalock! To Stalock! I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops to it. Well, you're all hopped out. Pleased to be welcoming here to the Hoppy Hour, Dan Schwartz of Lift Brewing. How are we doing tonight, sir? Hey, doing great. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for making some time for us here tonight. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, well, let's kick it off. Tell everyone what you're drinking over there. Uh, well, with the warmer weather coming around, I'm, I'm drinking the uh, Getaway Pilsner. So we, we used to do this, uh, we did it about three years ago, and we're bringing it back. Uh, slight reformulation, um, making it a little more crisp and uh, lighter to enjoy on a nice summer day. So um, I've been really digging it right now, and it's uh, just really awesome for uh, the warmer weather heading our way. Yeah, and that that glorious care package that you sent me away with on Friday, <laughs> thank you again. I'd had a lot of those kinds of beers. Like coming now into the summer, we're, we're hoping that we're going to have this rain go away and we're actually going to be able to enjoy summer. But, I mean, you talked about the pills there. Let's, uh, before we get into what me and Isha are drinking quick, a couple of the other ones that I know one's more popular, the uh, Mango Blonde, but also talk about the Berry Blonde. Yeah, we uh, started the Mango Blonde a few years back. Uh, really a nice light blonde ale and then add just a nice complement of fresh mango and um, man, it sure, sure tastes great on a, a, a nice hot, a hot day. And we found too that people were really digging that. And so what we wanted to do is to create an off season one. And so uh, we did a berry blonde, which is a blend of uh, boysenberry and uh, yeah, raspberry. So you got that one there. So again, another light, light blonde ale with a nice, balance of fruit in it so it still has the you still taste the beer but just accentuated by that light fruit and fruit notes awesome and i can speak to that so one of the two that i'm drinking here tonight because dan gave me 12 beers i couldn't just have one (laughs) um so we've got the berry blonde that he mentioned and i can tell everyone i even had dan uh sneak me an extra mango blonde because it's one of my wife's absolute favorites especially come summertime so uh can't push you to those enough and uh well we'll circle back here in a minute to the other one i'm drinking well Isha, hopefully, what do you got? hopefully you got some karma points uh with your wife there on the mango blonde <laughs> much much needed <laughs> um i got a local one out here one of my favorites from victoria hoin brewing uh this one i've actually never had before the carte blanche belgian white ipa uh comes in at six percent uh there's not a lot of color there's not a lot of malt but there's plenty of hops so i'm excited mm. for this one love hoin brewing um they have like the famous BC uh, Dark Matter, which is obviously a, a stout, but that one's probably the most popular stout out here on the west coast of uh, BC anyways. So uh, never, you know, Hoyne never seems to fail. So uh, this one's been in the fridge for a couple weeks now. So I'm excited to crack this one with uh, both uh, Dan and State of Hoppy here. So cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. And as always, everybody. We, uh, we told you what's on tap for us, but we want to hear what's on tap for you. So comment uh, on our Twitter post at the Soda Pod, Facebook and Twitter. Um, 
You can comment live on the sh- on our stream as well, both Wednesdays and Sundays. You know, on Sundays, tell us what you were drinking this on the weekend. On Wednesdays, you know, what's getting you through the week? We, we want to hear it. Uh, so either li- on the live stream or on our social media posts, we also have a voicemail, 612-324-1684. You shoot that a text message as well. Uh, we just want to hear what's on tap from you, the listeners. And uh, I-, I missed that comment there, but your boy SV, our friend Shane, uh, he was telling us what's on tap. I'm drinking... Uh, a Coors with the Raptor can. Oh, the Toronto Raptors. There you go. Shane, our, uh, our basketball fan who listens to a Minnesota podcast, but it's not the Timberwolves. It's the Raptors. Anyways. Anyways. Now, real real quick, Isha, before we get into more of the beer talk, I have to shout out our friend Matt oh, at yes. uh, 7th Avenue. Uh, just randomly hit us up and said that I can't drink all that beer that Dan gave me without some pizza. So actually met up with him this morning. Grabbed some of their beers and or pizzas, and I gotta say, uh, we already had one that I shared with some buddies, and this is an incredible frozen pizza. Uh, just different sauce than I've seen with a lot of other like frozen pizzas. Again, like you can get a Jack's Pizza and you know what you're getting. This is delicious. It's incredible. That's unbelievable. I think I gave him a follow or I interacted with them from either my account or the soda pot account a little while ago. Um, and yeah, like you said, Matt, great there. Hoppy's just reaping the benefits, Dan, of joining this podcast. Now almost 60 episodes in uh, joining me. He's got the beer from all the local breweries. He's gotten, you know, free. He's getting dinner tonight. It, it's amazing. I can't wait to come to the Twin Cities and get spoiled as well. But uh, it's 80 episodes, sir. 80. Time flies. Time flies. All right, let's switch gears. Let's get back into, uh, well, talking to you here about uh, Lithbridge, Dan. What's the origin story uh, for Lithbridge Brewing? Friends now of the Soda Pod. Yeah, we, um, well, like many things, it started in a garage, but uh, we were playing neighborhood poker league. And as uh, you might imagine, a lot of us were real big fans of craft beer. So we'd always bring our favorite beer uh, to to the poker league and we'd you know, share it, share it, check it out, talk about it, all of that. And one of my buddies um, in the league, his his dad was in the brewing business his whole life. And and uh, he said, you know, I really want to start a brewery here in Stillwater. You know, we're just about 20 minutes east of the, the Twin Cities. And I said, you know, that's a great idea. We should do that. And, um, you know, I never really thought back then when we were uh, drinking uh, in that, in that uh, garage that, that it would someday become a thing, but um, you know, we we worked and visited a whole bunch of new breweries, learned what we could from them, talked about uh, their experience, and asked them if they had any advice on how to start a brewery. So, in 2008, we launched our first beer by contract brewing with another local brewery, and uh, a year and a half later, we were able to move into our space here in Stillwater, and we've just been growing ever since. So it's been it's been really fun exciting um, now we have uh, about 40 employees so super cool having um, all that growth and adding more people to the Liftbridge family amazing yeah well and talking about growth i mean why don't you fill everyone in on what you guys have going across the border yeah well some really exciting news we we just um uh, signed a lease on some space about 20 miles to the east so now we have a brewery in the state of minnesota and in the state of wisconsin so there'll be a second tap room, another brewing location, and we're really excited to try out some new new brews there, um, do some more experimentation, and help uh, allow our brewers to be really creative with with what they got going on. Hey, well, you'll have some new hockey fan customers there in uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, and I mean, 
part of that move. I know a lot of things fell into place in a really good way, but I mean, we've talked, you're in a unique spot with, you know, how long you guys have been in business, how big you've grown that just about every beer bill that we're trying to get pushed through legislation uh, impacts you in some way or another. I mean, just, you know, take the floor for a second to talk about the four pack, six pack growler cap, whatever else I might be missing. Yeah. I would say that it's, it's pretty clear that Minnesota is, is one of the most restrictive states when it comes to beer and alcohol laws. Uh, there's been a lot of legislation in the last probably 10 years or so. In fact, uh, this year coming up in, in July is when, 10 years ago is when the taproom law passed. So that allowed us to actually have a place for consumers to come in, sample our beers and uh, hang out with us. So that's been really exciting. Um, Liftbridge was the first brewery in the state to take advantage of that law. And, um, you know, we've been having a lot of, a lot of good times here in the taproom since. And so one of the things, though, that Minnesota has is a, a production cap. So once you reach a certain size, you can no longer sell beer to go in the growlers or in these uh, really nice, large, oversized cans called crawlers. So um, <clears throat> Liftbridge is approaching that cap. And so we've been working to try to raise that cap or eliminate it. So not only us, but other breweries that are growing, those that are actually larger than us can continue to um, sell growlers and crawlers to go to their fans. You know, and one of the things about the um, growlers is it allows us to do some beers and try them out before we spend all kinds of money on packaging and buying truckloads of cans and that type of stuff. Right. So when people taste it, they can, you know, share it with their friends and neighbors when they go back to their house. And, uh, and then the phone rings and says, hey, that mango blonde was really good. Are you guys going to sell it again? And that's really how kind of some of those beers come, come together is by that feedback from the growlers and growlers. Sure. Well, and speaking of feedback, I mean, you guys have been pretty loud on social media trying to push for some change here. What is the next step? Like what needs to happen to keep nudging that along? You know, it's amazing what uh, constituents reaching out to their lawmakers does. Um, you know, you think your voice doesn't matter, but it really does. I mean, as few as five to 10 people making a phone call to their legislators brings it to the top of the pile. And they're like, man, we got we to gotta do something about this growler bill. So um, if anybody's interested, they can go to supportmnbreweries.com. Uh, we have an info page about that, a way to contact your legislators. But I mean, there's really a whole bunch of Minnesota laws that really need to be tweaked. Um, but right now we're really focused on that growler bill and that's where we're pushing. So we got to, you know, we're using hashtag free the growler. So uh, hopefully we can get some momentum behind that. And there has been, you know, anytime we talk to legislators or any consumers, they're just shocked that this is actually a law. They don't understand why this hasn't been uh, fixed or why it's even there in the first place. No, yeah. Like, like I said, I'm from well, I'm a lot from, of people. <laughs> sorry, Hoppy. I'm saying like, I'm from Canada and British Columbia, Western Canada. And when I first heard all this, when I first uh, connected with Hoppy there, it, it blew my mind that, uh, that, that the law so dated and just like a whole mindset on, uh, on just hampering these small businesses and this you know, opportunity that even like locally and economically is super positive, uh, out here anyways, and has been so successful. It blows my mind that the government just won't, you know, move forward and evolve. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're all small, small businesses starting in the garage. Um, we definitely support our local community. It was amazing how much how much we spend just in our local community on printing, on swag, on, you know, all the little things you got to buy to make your brewery go. So 
Um, you know, money spent at a local brewery. I mean, I can't emphasize this enough. It goes back to your local community and gets spent. And there's a ton of econo economic activity that, that ha happens in your own community. So no matter where you are, make sure you're drinking local. Indeed. Amen. Oh. And I'll actually uh, say the next beer, Isha, you're going to love this because you care all about the can art. Um, we have Juice Z, a Northeast IPA. Oh, I love it. It's right up your wheelhouse. I'm yep. um, just curious, though, looking across all of your cans, Dan, I mean, you guys have some pretty interesting designs going on. Where do you guys get the inspiration for that? And who's the artist behind it? Yeah, so my, my partner, Brad, he, he really takes point on the, the creative side of things, which is, which is awesome. I think he does a great job. You know, we want people to recognize that it is a LiftBridge product and a LiftBridge can, but make sure each brand kind of finds its own space. Um, so really it depends on the beer that we're doing. And then we work with a design, uh, a design company called Studio Two in St. Paul, so just 20 minutes away. And uh, we've been working with those guys now for almost 10 years. So they really get what we're trying to do when it comes to, to our design. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let some of the listeners in on a little little uh, Easter egg that we have on all of our cans. I don't know if you knew this, but every single can from LiftBridge has a hidden loon somewhere in it. Oh, wow. Oh, well, there goes my night. I was going to restack them, all the cans <laughs> and start looking for them all. So they, they are a lot of times pretty well hidden. They might be upside down. They could be oh, you pay attention anywhere. So uh, you never know. You never know where you're going to find it. That's cool, man. I love, I love that kind of stuff. Um, being the artistic guy myself, that's incredible. Yeah. Thanks. That's funny too. We really don't, we don't really tell people about it. And so a lot of people don't know. So it's really fun when they do, do come across it and find it. Huh. <laughs> you're you're intense. Right. His mind is just now, right? it's blown it's, right now. It's an adult. Where is Waldo? What more yeah. can I ask for? That's <laughs> amazing. Hey, from uh, from hidden images to beer bowls, I love the craft beer scene uh, in in the state of Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Hoppy. What else do you got for Dan here? Well, we got to get into it, Dan. Uh, something that a lot of people talk about: the state fair beers. Let's well, just—I don't even know. That's that's about as much as I can tee it up. <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, so the Minnesota State Fair is probably the biggest gathering that happens here in Minnesota. It's one of the largest fairs in the United States. But for 10 days, there's a huge party. Um, I don't know. It's a couple square miles and it's all kinds of vendors, rides, everything under the under the map. You know, it's it's just crazy meshing up of people and hobbies and that type of stuff. And um, about eight years ago, one of uh, our vendors approached us and said, hey, we want to make a unique beer just for the state fair, just to be sold there. And we thought, hey, that sounds pretty cool. So we're going through, okay, well, what, what speaks to us as state fair? So we're brainstorming, you know, should it be a corn dog? No, that's probably not going to work. <laughs> um, you know, going through all the state fair foods and um, nearby this uh, vendor, it's called the Bar Ballpark Cafe. They have um, mini donuts, and everybody just remembers that smell of deep fried dough, you know, and sugar and cinnamon. And it's just such a such a great aroma. And so we thought, hey, maybe that would work. So we start playing around with it, and um, you know, flavored up uh, existing beer, and we thought, you know what, this will probably work. So I went over to our, our brewmaster and I said, so just hear me out. I want to make a mini donut beer. 
And at first he's like, what the heck are you talking about? I'm like, just listen. And he's like, yeah, I think we could do it. Cause you know, you got kind of that doughiness, you get that nice, um, you know, breadiness from the malt and kind of that caramelized outer dough layer. And so we added some vanilla and some cinnamon and it was, it was pretty much there. We thought, Hey, it's just missing something. And so we were playing around some more. We, we thought, well, what if we did cinnamon and sugar on the rim? So we dipped that up, dipped the rim, dipped it some cinnamon sugar. And then you got the aroma and the texture and like kind of that crunch from the sugar. It was like, man, we, we got it. So the first, I'm just, I'm just such a sucker for mini donuts. So right now I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm just salivating <laughs> as you described this. <laughs> and it was uh, clearly a total, total gimmick, but you know what? It was so good. And uh, the first year um, we, we brewed 60 kegs of it and uh, they released the beer. And on the first day they sold 17 kegs of it. So over 10 days, we're like, we're not going to make it. You know, we're not going to have enough for the whole time. So the state fair said, all right, here's what you got to do. You got to divide up the number of kegs and just release that many each day so that everybody has a chance to, to get it. So each day they'd release it at noon. And there'd be a line around the block, people waiting to come get it. So wow. uh, next year we brewed more, sold out more and more and more. And it's, it's now the most popular beer at the state fair. Um, and it's, clear we we created a monster because uh not this past year but the year before there were 58 state fair exclusive beers so everybody's trying mm-hmm. to find the next mini donut beer and it's funny too because there's some big hits and there's some big misses too but like that's part of the the charm of the state fair right like no one's gonna have that beer and be like well because i had this funky ass beer from this brewery i'm not gonna try their other beers yeah well and i have people I have people commenting and they're like, they say, well, you know, I probably only have one of those, you know? And I said, well, how many deep fried candy bars do you have at the state fair? And they're like only one. And it's like, see, that's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to like engage the state fair and just make it over the top. So it, uh, it's did what we, we were hoping it for, hoping it would do. Well, so then let's talk, I mean, other variations, maybe like what, what's the next mini donut beer for lip bridge. Uh, who knows? We're we're always working on some new innovation, and we'll see what it is. But we did do another uh, beer for the fair, a key lime pie beer. Um, mm-hmm. It actually has kind of, you know, the, the flavors you'd expect, like lime. But also we almost have this graham cracker crust flavor as well in there. And it's just, it's bizarre how well it works. And um, so we, we like playing around with stuff like that and just kind of going over the top on some stuff. Okay. I like yeah, that. that. That sounds like something up my alley, I think. Uh, Dan, personally, what, what's your favorite type of beer to, to brew? Or what, what is your favorite type of beer uh, to release from, from Lithbridge? You know, I, I'm really kind of a seasonal drinker, so I, I kind of rotate around. Uh, I'm not sure that I – it's kind of like sandwich is your favorite kid or something. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, like right now, I've, I've just been into the Crispy Pilsners has been really good. I, I'm always a sucker for something really nice and hoppy. So our hop dish IPA, I uh, drink quite a bit of that. And, you know, the juicy has been been pretty fun too, that hazy style. You, know, you get all the hops, but it's still really uh, soft on your tongue. And it's it's just a beautiful thing. 
Nice, nice. Um, one, one more for you here, and because uh, I, I asked this because there's so much love in the beer community in Minnesota, and not to say there isn't out here in BC. That's what I love about this craft beer scene and just the business overall is that everyone kind of lifts each other up. Uh, the more craft uh, breweries there are, the more that you know they can get featured at events. Much like you guys, you know, talk about the state fair. There's some out here locally as well, and it's just a positive overall. So I, I shoot the question back to you. If it's not a, a Lithbridge beer you're drinking, you know, what's what's something else locally that, that you uh, like to pick off the shelf or go to the tap room if you want to kick it up a notch? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, when I'm not here at the brewery, I love being at other people's breweries, too. I mean, I am also just a huge craft beer fanatic. Yeah, so I like sitting. I like sitting on the other side of the bar, too, as a consumer. So uh, you, you hit it right on. I mean, I, I just like going from place to place. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for some of the old guard. Um, you know, Summit's just been making really solid, awesome beer for years. Uh, we do some brewing there with those guys. And, you know, I was a fan for a long time, but, you know, I'm an even bigger fan today. Um, you know, Surly was a huge trailblazer as well and just ramped up the hops and I think taught Minnesotans what what a real hoppy IPA was. So uh, those have been, been really fun to see. And... Um, you know, I like getting up north to Duluth, so um, there's lots of great breweries up there, you know, Castle Danger and Bent Paddle and some others. So, you know, it, it'd be hard to narrow it down, but you're right. It's it's always best. I love love going to the tap room and, you know, just catching the vibe and talking to the beer tenders and the people that are there. So I'm just happy things are starting to open up again and we can, can start uh, doing more of that. Oh, absolutely. And before my last question here, Isha, I want to give you a second because uh, – what I thought would be like a quick, like 20, 30 minute meet and greet with Dan turned into like two <laughs> hours of bullshitting and beer. Um, it does. Talked a lot about how much he loves to travel and go to other markets and see what the beer scene is like. And I'm actually shocked that you've held yourself back this long, not projecting onto him the great beer scene in the Hawaii of Canada. So Isha, this is your chance to sell Dan on why he should visit vancouver island well dan as soon I just, as the borders open i just assumed you've already been here that's all um no well unfortunately no Br british columbia and the vancouver and vancouver island region in particular can be said to be you know the mecca of craft beer both in the united states and uh, and canada sure there's like the ogs that have been around in eastern canada and even you know parts of the united states and some of the bigger cities but it really started to blow up here in i guess in the sense that there wasn't just one that was unique to the the area that there were like five or 10. And like I said, they all kind of started together um, doing different types of collaborations together to really market. And I think that's what was brilliant was they marketed each other's breweries through collaborations. Some sometimes in the first year of them even opening up uh, Victoria, British Columbia uh, on Vancouver Island is the biggest city here in Vancouver Island. Hoppy's just been waiting for this. Not to be confused with Vancouver, uh, mm. since Victoria's the city, uh, the biggest city on Vancouver Island. It should be called Victoria Island, but everybody knows that. Any uh, <laughs> listeners on the Soda Pod, anyways. But but like I said, Victoria is huge. There's, there's so many that I can't even list them off. Vancouver, it's obviously the biggest city in British Columbia. It's booming, and I, I'd say if you if you haven't been here already, when when the world opens up again, this is the place. Uh, if you're a craft beer connoisseur, like uh, like Hoppy said you are, and like how you uh, described yourself as a moment or earlier, this is the place that you got to come and visit because it's it's just unbelievable and it has a little bit of everything for every taste. 
Well, I'll tell you what, as soon as we open, uh, I'm heading up there and then I'm going to have to commission you to be my personal tour guide. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> and if you surf, we'll hit the waves too. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give it a shot. It's been a long time since I've been on a surfboard. Hey, it's the Hawaii of Canada. I'd be happy to show you around. <laughs> That's awesome. Did I, did I hit them all there, Hoppy? <laughs> I, I almost logged off twice there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, even producer Pigeon Studios is like, stop it. Stop it. shaking. <laughs> okay. And Dan, certainly we'll let you uh, promote anything you have here at the end, but want to let you go off a little bit, transition over to hockey. I don't want to downplay all the other bad things that came from COVID, but for Lift Bridge specifically, it was just really unfortunate timing with the release of a really cool beer, Miracle on Ice. Why don't you tell everyone about that? Yeah, it's um, kind of a neat story. So for the anniversary of the miracle, when the United States uh, scrappy team beat the mighty, mighty Russians for the gold medal, um, the anniversary was, uh, was it the 30-year anniversary i think it was and 40, uh, i think yeah yeah so uh we had some people in the indus- uh, industry and connected with the team and they approached us about doing a beer to celebrate um and there was going to be a big event in in downtown st paul called the greatest day and it was a parade to celebrate uh those heroes and um so we we uh we hopped on board we developed a new recipe for for the the brewery and um called it a miracle on ice golden ale um cool red white and blue can and then we actually sourced gold lids for the top cool look like a gold medal and uh we we made a bunch of beer and it had it was all, all the bars and everything and it just was a huge party um unfortunately that was the end of uh february so it was tough to get any traction but uh, we're bringing it back here. Um, probably going to be launching in a couple of weeks now. Got the beer in the tank in the back right now. And um, <clears throat> one of the neat things is the guy that was that's in charge of running the Miracle on Ice company. He said, "Hey, I got a I got a buddy who wants to come out and uh, maybe see the cans come off and have a beer with you guys." I'm like, "Sure, whatever. Whoever wants to come out." Well, here it is. It's Buzzy Schneider from the team, and he he brought his gold medal. No. Talk about that, Dan. That's amazing. Look, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm Canadian, but I'm a hockey nerd through and through. And so this is, uh, this is amazing. So, so he brings it in and he's like, Bob's like, Buzzy, show, show him what you brought. And he opens the case up. It's this, you know, velvet case. And this thing is just like glowing, just unbelievable. And then he, he takes it out and he hands it to me. I'm like, no, no, I don't want it. He's like, no, no, take it, take it. So. He gave it to me. We took some pictures, and I'm sitting here holding underneath it because I don't want the thing to drop. And uh, apparently he had it um, sent to Tiffany's or something years ago to like a class broke or something, and it was insured for over a million dollars to when they sent it out there. But he was just such a down-to-earth, nice guy, and uh, it was just really fun, fun chit-chatting with him and so it was about 11 o'clock in the morning, and so we went in the back, and we pulled a couple of beers right off the line, and we crushed some of the Miracle on Ice beers. So really kind of a, a fun a fun deal. And, you know, we were also really pleased to participate with it because, you know, they're raising money for hockey charities, including um, uh, for kids with special needs uh, playing hockey and um, all those types of things. So just a great organization. 
you know, people have deep roots in, in the, in the sport and they're giving back and trying to get more people into the sport, which is pretty cool. That's unbelievable. And there's something that came to mind that that's kind of funny is that of course, that anything commemorating a win over the Russians in that time is insurable for over a million dollars. That's all. <laughs> I imagine so. <laughs> That's amazing. And hey, I'm glad you held that medal versus a World Junior medal win over Canada. So I'm all smiles. <laughs> Uh, that's all i got uh dan hoppy do you have anything else before we let dan go and thanks again for your time this has been awesome yeah my pleasure yeah no just have to thank you again great hospitality gave me the full tour of the facility some great beers i even got the growler added to the wall which my wife's already chirped me about and we're going to get some lighting in there so people can actually see some of the logos better um but dan why don't you uh aside from obviously we got miracle on ice coming out here soon Anything else coming up for you guys? Anything that you want to get out to the public? And uh, maybe even, uh, sounds like a couple weeks from now, we might be bringing you back on potentially. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, make that happen. Uh, May 1st, we're going to be opening up the tap room to the public over in New Richmond, just across the river. So uh, hopefully when people watch this, you know, mark it on their calendar. If they can't make it that weekend, certainly come visit us over the next couple of weeks. Oh, this has been outstanding, Dan. Uh, thank you for your time again. Uh, we're excited to bring you back on when uh, when you uh, can come back on the Soda Pod. On the other side, ladies and gentlemen, we got some wild talk, some NHL talk. You listen to episode 144 of the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. HF Boards is the internet's largest and long-running community for discussion surrounding ice hockey, including coverage on the NHL, college teams, and anywhere else the sport is played globally. Join in nearly half a million of active conversations happening on HF Boards today. You're listening to the Soda Pod episode 144 presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks everyone tuning in on the live stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And those listening back on the podcast, we really appreciate it. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Great guest in the last segment, Hoppy. Just lining up the great guests uh, these last few weeks. I got to pull my weight somehow, right? <laughs> no, that was outstanding. Dan's great. I'm excited to uh, to bring him back on and to represent Liftbridge uh, again soon. Uh, we have more comments coming in for what's on tap. Jason Bryant actually commented earlier in the show what he was drinking as well. Uh, the Kilted Yoga by Torg Brewing. Torg, friend of the shows. They were part of our beer bracket. Um, he also mentioned, I was, I was reading that he was unable to, uh, he's had it once, but un- unable to get it again. Uh, during COVID, Hoppy, have have you tried that one? I have not, no, but I absolutely should. Okay, Jason, if you're still tuning in, uh, you know, give us uh, give us the Coles notes Ooh, on yeah, the, on this beer here. Uh, by the way, when I was uh, a rookie, in I mean, I'm still a rookie in the in the media scene, but when I was first interviewing like coaches and hockey players and stuff like that, uh, one coach sent me an email just running down basically his life, and he was like, "Here are the Coles notes." Four years of university, never heard that term before. So confused. I'm like, who is Cole? And why are he, why is he sending me his notes? Uh, it took me a quick Google search to figure out that that was actually a... Maybe that was... Okay, but you, you say that all the time to me, and I had no idea what that was either. You kept on saying really? Cole's notes, and I, like, I assumed it was like... I kind of pieced it together myself, but... I don't know. Okay, okay. 
You know, Bob, you know, you've heard the saying Bob's your uncle though, right? Or is that just, is that just Canadian too? Oh shit. Okay. Well, we'll get into that in a different show. Um, Oh, look at this. Uh, I hope this is Matt because we gave you a shout out early in the show. He says, uh, seventh Avenue pizza says, Hey Hoppy, how's that pizza? He's been munching it this whole episode. Yep, This is how it is so far. I am so hungry and so jealous, but I can't wait when I, uh, when I visit the twin cities to pick one up and try one myself. Uh, so thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll 100% continue to promote. Matt, you nailed it. The the sauce is what makes this pizza 100%. It's just enough spice that it's not going to bother or upset anyone for being too spicy, but it gives you just that little extra zing. It's, oh, I'm still going at it. Oh, he needs oh. some milk. Oh, this. <laughs> Matt says, sorry, as three kids was late tuning in. Hey, you can, uh, the video gets posted on YouTube right after, so you can catch up on anything you missed or or you can listen back to the podcast and I really, I really would like you to tune back into the podcast rate and review also on iTunes and Apple podcasts. Hey, we gave them some free publicity. You gotta, you gotta at least get a, a rating. Publicity. publicity. I'm hungry and I'm drinking beer. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the Minnesota wild. I know I have a lot of notes on this outline hopping. We don't have to get through it all. Um, but like we said in the intro coming off of a high an eight, three win against Colorado avalanche. And it wasn't like an absolute dominating win. I mean, halfway through the game, the Colorado avalanche almost, you know, came back and made it, (laughs) made it hard for the wild, but the wild had an absolutely, they had an outstanding third period. They did everything right. They, they played to the best of their abilities and they were able to, uh, come out with an eight, three win. One thing I do want to comment on is the power play. Everything seemed to click on that power uh, on that power play. One of the league worst power plays. Um, do you have any comments on that? It just seemed like overall everything they tried worked, and maybe it didn't even seem like Colorado was was failing in, in defending. It was just like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, we can only hope for more of the same here. But it was just funny because that was on during our stream last Wednesday, and like people were commenting on it. I think it was Sean Cosgrove, like power play on fire, and he's just like. I don't know if this is a joke or not. Yeah. <laughs> I think that says all that you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it, they couldn't carry it over into the following two games in, you know, against the St. Louis Blues. But before we move on to those games, Fiala, Kaprizov playing together more and more in their scoring. I just, again, and I know, I know we talk about this all the time, but imagine if both of them or either of them had an actual center, an actual top center that wasn't either... Uh, <laughs> You know, a Nick Bonino or whoever, or Victor Rask. Yeah, we can't have nice things, right? It just, I I don't know, man. It would just, it would change the whole, it would change the whole team because these guys wouldn't have to set each other up. They could, they could, I don't know, man. They could do so much more with their tools um, offensively. And um, I'm I'm pretty outstanding on this, and I know we've talked about it a lot on here, but I just want to hear from you because a lot more people are now asking after the power play success to get, Fiala and Kaprizov on the same line for five on five. What's your take on that? Am I the idiot in the room or it works? I mean, I've seen it like every now and then they'll, they'll take a few shifts together and it works because it's the best two players on the team on the same line. And they're just miles above, you know, whoever usually they're playing against in the offensive zone. If they have a good cycle going or let's be honest, both of them have been playing outstanding this season. So every game, they're the ones who stand out. But I am more in your camp in that you have to spread it around on this team because 
You don't have that top center. You don't have any more players of that elite talent or, or even close right now. Um, you have good defensive players like Erickson Eck, but he doesn't jump out on the, just jump out to your, even your eyes or even the underlying stats as far as an offensive player. Yeah. And I mean, I like your point though, about playing them together sporadically, like shit, even the penguins for a long time would pick like three or four shifts a game where they would just randomly catch the team off guard and throw Malkin and Crosby out together. Like you yeah. can do that. I'm not saying don't ever play them together. I'm not saying only power play. I just think if you go into a game and you expect to keep them together the entire game, it's just so much easier to game plan for if you're the other team. I would say around whether you're you're trailing in the game or or you're ahead, in the middle of the game is where you put some shifts together or like late in the first period. And then if you're, you know, if you're ahead and you are just playing more defensively, then of course you can separate them a little bit. Um, but coming out with them right out, out of the gate, teams are always testing each other early in the first period, anyways. And I wouldn't want to, I don't know, come out with both of them there. See if you can catch fire with a different line first, then put them together. If you get a goal or two, or even if you're trailing one or two, and if it doesn't work out, then okay. Like there's no need to like, for example, as we move into the St. Louis game, if you're getting just absolutely dominated by the end of second period, okay, there's no need putting them together. You're not going to come back from a five, one game, uh, which is the way that you're playing and the way that Kalkinen was playing. Um, but yeah, sporadically, I like it. They, th this team just needs more depth. If, if Rossi comes out and becomes the type of player, the type of caliber player that Fiala and Kaprizov are next season, then you have a lot, then the conversation changes because maybe you can put them on the same line because you can put someone else with Rossi or you know what I mean there. If you have another piece, then then you can get a little bit more creative. Right now, it's, I don't know, a lot of people are hating on Everson for his deployment. I haven't had too much of a problem with it, but I'm not following it as closely as, well, maybe even you and, and some of the local Minnesotans are. One well, for me, I don't even, I don't know. I don't think that Everson is making the final decision on any of this. Like there's some rope there, but I think this is all Garen's calls. Like Everson's his puppet. Interesting. See, I haven't heard anyone, you know, take it that far. Like I, I think the consensus is that he has actually quite a bit of rope um, because, well, he got right. an extension, maybe not last year. Um, okay. But think about it. Why? Maybe he got the extension because he can be controlled. Yeah. I'd, uh, I let someone pay me millions of dollars to be controlled. Yeah, okay, we're not getting into that. Um. <laughs> uh, last note from this game, uh, Fiala, eight shots, the Hattie, four points. Hoppy had a poll about it. It blew up. <laughs> Man, can you imagine if they both got hat-tricks the same night? Oh, my God. Twitter would have broken. Zeke would not have slept. He would have been up all night. Can you sleep in all caps? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Oh, I love you, buddy. Um, say, gotcha, bitch. So, so moving on to, uh, again, the high of winning that game. And, you know, playing an outstanding game where a team was actually pushing to come back and you were able to seal it and be dominant in the third. They come out with no gas out of the gate against the St. Louis Blues in the first of their three-game series. Uh, a few chances in the first and, and throughout the game. Sure, they're mostly from Fiala. Let's let's be perfectly honest here. Uh, the Wilds' only goal was a was the third shot of the game. It was a garbage goal. The Parise special in front of the net, taking nothing away from Parise there. It was nothing fancy. It didn't come off of you know any sp special type of pressure that the, that the Wild were putting on uh, St. Louis by any means. 
And uh, Kakinen was pretty shaky all game. Why he wasn't pulled after the sixth and seventh goal is what I want to ask you, Hoppy. Why the hell was he in this game throughout the whole thing? To be honest, the one thing that's confused me more than anything this season for the Wild is how the goalies have been deployed. And by and large, I've been wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> I, at this point, again, whether it's Everson, Garen, Combo that's making that decision, I am not going to criticize it because, again, this far into the season, I have just been wrong every time I've criticized what they do. So they must well, look, know what they're doing. If it was lights out in the first and second and it was 100% defensive collapses, which, look, Wild fans, it was. There was a ton of defensive collapses in this game, but it wasn't all on the defense. Kalkinen, like I said, he came out shaky. He he wasn't that good. But if he was pretty damn good and say there was like 37 shots coming out of the second period and you're down by 5k. That's one thing. He wasn't that good. I mean, at four no. goals at five goals, why isn't Talbot in net even just to try uh, to scrape something up four well, goals, at least it, I don't know. I think there's a lot of reasons you can go with there. Again, this is a young kid that's trying to come up and prove himself on this team. Like maybe he wanted to keep the net, even though he was playing shitty. Doesn't maybe matter. You're not the it. coach. Okay. Well, guess what? They had to play the next night. Why would you want to send out your other goalie? and cash him instead of saving him for the next night. Because the coach's job is to win the game. And you mentioned earlier that like the wild were up five, one on Colorado and it didn't matter if it's the blues up five, one on us. Like you really think we're coming back from that? Like what's pulling him going to do at that point? I I think it's I just get what that, you're saying, but I think it gives okay. a small, it gives a small chance with a guy who's fresh and it gives the young, you know, it teaches the young goaltender that, when you play like this in the National Hockey League, you get your ass pulled. It's just, it's just the Maybe way. Maybe it's a punishment in its own right, though. It's like, buddy, <laughs> figure it out, or you're just gonna get shelled. Oh. Have at it. But again, I agreed with you on the front end. It didn't make sense to me. I'm just coming up with reasons. I know, that I know. Could have and, been you. And that's why people listen to our podcast. Okay. Uh, what else? What else did I note in this game? I just know absolute meltdown after the second. Uh, it was a four-one going into the second, fifth goal with, within two minutes of that of that uh, second period. Um, Schwartz for the uh, St. Louis Blues. He had an outstanding game. I thought, you know, you got to give him some credit too. Um, so noticeable, pretty much every shift, and he was an offensive driver as well. Um, provide some scoring, and he was just great all over the ice. One thing I did want to note: there were like three or four occasions within that game where two St. Louis Blues players, and on on one occasion as well, one actually took the puck out of the offensive zone and reset with just one of his winger. I, I forget if it was a, the center of the winger, but uh, one of its offensive line mates and just absolutely dismantled the Wild's defensive structure. There were five, five Minnesota Wild players in the defensive zone. These two players just like went through them like a, like a hot knife on a stick of butter. It was, And they, some of them didn't score on those plays, but it was awful. And it just seemed like, I don't know, the wild had nothing that, that like the goal, they got lucky that Parise was, was posted up and was able to tip that in or, or whack it in whatever. Um, but that, that was embarrassing. 100%. And we've seen it this year, right? It's been a pretty up and down team. Like it's, you don't want to just like throw it out, but I'm kind of throwing that game out, right? That's a game where they came in hot, a team that was coming in with their back against the wall against them like shit happens, right? You saw a yeah. better, better effort at least in the next game, which we can get into now. And I really want to see what happens on Monday. 
right? Yeah, they give me a better idea of where they're at. Well, they have to win on Monday. You have to win to make this, you know, to get anything out of this series. Because sure, they they got one point in the the three two OT loss. Um, as Hoppy just said, they they came to play in that one. Uh, they looked a lot better. Um, you know, kept the goals to a reasonable amount here on, on both sides. Capri's up five shots on net. Um, I admittedly didn't didn't watch this game in its entirety. Was Fiala out the whole game due to injury? Because he because he has an upper body injury that was listed, but he's said to it's said that it's it's believed that he's going to be playing uh, on Monday. I didn't watch a lot of the game either because I couldn't look away from the the tire fire that was the well the game we'll talk about in a later segment. Yeah, fair enough. So whether whether he was in or oh, Safiala out, okay. So that I, I watched some of the highlights. I only watched I caught a little bit of the first and a, a little bit of the second there. Um, Saturday is my day off, <laughs> even from the hockey world sometimes. Um, Why the fuck you lying? <laughs> Uh, but anyways, I did notice Fiala was, was not on the sheet at all. He didn't register one shot. So then when I went back and looked, um, Kaprizov, you know, tried to take the load on himself. Uh, five shots on net didn't, didn't register. Um, again, I hope Fiala's in that Monday game. Cause that's going to be critical for, for the wild success. Um, and anyway, I don't know, one, man, if, if he's at all, like still questionable, like I'm not rushing him back. Like I, I'd rather take it easy and make sure that he's okay rather than worry about winning this game three of what we're going to play them three more times at the end of the month. I'd rather have him full go then. We're not the playoffs. So I'm pretty sure if, you know, if he can't go, he won't go. Um, You know, if this was the playoffs against the blues, he'd be playing 100%. That's just how the NHL works. But um, yeah, this one's like I said, we've said it a bunch of times. They have to win this game. Then they, you know, they split the points in this small series and they continue to, to hold that third spot in the division. Um, I'm going to fire through these next. Uh, we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about the NHL. There's not really any NHL news stories, but there were a ton of trades. It was trade deadline weekend, making uh, making for trade deadline Monday to be kind of a, a dud again, like every year it kind of is a little bit of a dud. Um, there's, you know, one or two big moves, but all the moves that you expect usually don't happen. And some of the more interesting ones happen that, day or two leading in like they've happened this weekend. Uh, let's we start, have a trade to announce. Let's start with the first uh, three-way. Doug Wilson, the expert on the, the three-ways, um, involving the Leafs, the Sharks, and the Jackets. So the Toronto Maple Leafs, they receive uh, Stefan Nosen and Nick Foligno. The Sharks receive a fourth-round pick, and the Jackets receive a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick coming from the Toronto Maple Leafs. There were tweets... There were tweets. Russo even tweeted about it that uh, the Wild potentially were in on uh, on Nick Flingo. Hoppy, thoughts on on this trade and were you worried at all today? I was I was very worried. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe you know something I don't about why Felino is worth a first. I don't get it. He's a good defensive guy. I mean, I, I looked at the player card Jay Fresh uh, shared. He's an outstanding defensive player, but he's got 14 points this season. You don't trade a first round pick for a. Uh, for 14 point guy. But one thing, you know, and I was listening to, uh, to Dylan Kayser on the stick hungry podcast, talk about this, maybe draft picks this year are just worth less because true. no one really knows, you know, <laughs> no one really knows the true value of a, of a draft of any of the draftees this year, because barely anyone has played. No, and you and I have talked about that quite a bit going the last few months. Like it is still a first round pick. It is still valuable, but, it's not as valuable as other draft years. 
I'll fight anyone on that. I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, may maybe that's part of it. And again, maybe he is that one piece they need. Cause you know, those top two lines are going to hum, right? So if you can get the right defense from your bottom six, Hey, maybe that's what they need to make a cup run the last year that they're really viable to do so because, Oh, guess what? They're not going to be in the, the poutine Canadian North, whatever division you yeah. want to call it. So this is the year that they got to take a run. Right. So I, I get it from Absolutely. that perspective. I'm just surprised that like across the league, it was a first that was being discussed for him. And yeah, if the wild had done it, that would have been the first big blemish on the Billy G report card. Fucking Toronto set the bar. And that's why everyone hates the Maple Leafs. <laughs> um, oh, Branzer. He uh, comments again saying, uh, wild need a face-off guy in OT. They can't get hold of the puck because of it. They need a face-off guy all game. Yeah, they need a top center in general. Uh, yeah, moving moving right along here, uh, the Montreal Canadiens make a, make a trade of the Detroit Red Wings, who were busy as well this weekend. Uh, they receive John uh, Merrill, and the Red Wings receive Hayden Verbeek and a fifth-round pick. John Merrill, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like a book. A bottom, a bottom pairing guy with uh, good underlying stats. Um, Jay Fresh, if you have, if you don't follow him, if, if you're not an analytics guy, you, you don't have to be to see the value in some of the, his cards that he uh, posts. He kind of demonstrates, like, look, very clean. Like, this is, this is good if you're an offensive guy. This is bad if you're, you know, if on the defense. It's high, side. it's good. If it's yeah. down, it's bad. <laughs> if it's blue, it's good. If it's red, it's <laughs> bad. Um, if you need just some quick info, just on the fly, uh, you know, check him out, Jay Fresh Hockey. Um. He's high on John Merrill as a, a good defensive guy. So the Montreal, again, I saw a funny um, meme out there that it was just like uh, a chauffeur or, or someone like opening the door to a car and it was the car had the Montreal Canadiens logo on it. And it was just like plenty of room for bottom pairing defensemen. Come on in. <laughs> well, after they wave Mete, yeah. Man. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Any any team, I mean, all teams are going to be chomping at the bit to, to grab him. Like I'd be shocked if he cleared waivers absolutely shocked um second three-way of the weekend uh doug wilson not involved in this particular one anyways um the tampa bay lightning received brian lashoff and david savard so they're uh they're making their defense a little bit well they're adding a little bit more depth to their defense going into the playoffs uh the red wings were involved here receiving a fourth round pick on uh, the Blue Jackets receiving a third and a first, obviously giving up uh, uh, Savard, who's honestly an, under, an underrated defenseman in the National Hockey League. You know, a, a defense first guy, but been solid throughout his entire career. And when the team above him does well, he, you know, he can nod in 30 points here and there, uh, passing the puck up on the second assist. Um, any thoughts on this trade? Do you think the value was was fair? And do you think it's smart by Tampa? I mean, I think it's par for the course. And I think... Tampa's adding exactly what they needed to. They're they don't need a top pairing guy. They don't need a top two line guy. Just like they did last year with first round picks, they brought in depth players who can do exactly what they need them to. And they're gonna go on another run and probably win another cup this year. And it's just crazy. No, this is the this is the year. Watch San Jose Sharks are gonna sneak in and just go all the way. Uh, not after they traded away their stud. <laughs> they're stunned and uh, what a segue Devin Dubnik being traded to the abs and Hoppy he's all smiles here because he was like the abs need more depth in goaltending they got that in Devin Dubnik as their third string uh, giving you know sending a contract back to the Sharks and Greg Patteron and a fifth round pick so basically a fifth round pick value wise for Dubnik and the contract going back to make room for him you're shaking your head Hoppy 
That's not what I meant when I said they need goaltending depth. Hey, it's something. And they they sent Patterson away, who was doing nothing for them, and a fifth round pick. Um, I don't think this was a bad move. It didn't cost means. them anything, so I get it. But I'm saying if that's if that's the end of their moves, like I'm not confident if Devin Dubnik's my starting goalie going on a playoff run. Well, he's not your starting goalie. It's if one of the other goalies or both of them are injured, then he's there. That, correct. And I said if that ends up being the case, which is like what flip a coin with okay. Colorado, like. It's not that. I, it's not. 50, I thought they'd find someone here. better. Jesus Christ. 45 55. Not bad. <laughs> the Minnesota, the Minnesota Blues here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, last trade I want to get into um, the Blackhawks uh, made a trade with the Florida Panthers, bringing in Stan- former Stanley Cup champion, BC boy, the Prince George native. You actually went to high school with your boy, SV, Shane Van Nice, Brett Connolly, uh, being sent to the Blackhawks alongside Riley Stillman. Henrik Borgstrom in a seventh round pick for a pair of Lucases in Carlson and Walmart sent to the Panthers spelt exactly the same way too. L U C A S. That's the most, you know, the craziest part of that trade. Not even the BC boy uh, going to the Blackhawks. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised though. You left off one trade unless I like got a ton of notifications about a trade that didn't actually happen. Uh, Brandon Montour down to Florida. Oh, third round pick. Yeah. Hey, I like that too. I don't because there goes one of the best options you might have had. Again, very unlikely that anything's going to happen until this offseason, but that's a team that you could have extorted because of need to go on a playoff run to trade Dumba. They uh, were thin on the blue line, and now that that move is made, that I don't see that being an option. No, that's true. That's true. Swinging it back to a Minnesota perspective. I love it. Um, no, thanks for bringing that up. I totally forgot about that one. Brandon Monster early in his career really liked, uh, really liked the player. I mean, the buff, <laughs> he played in Buffalo. Can we really blame him? Um, I'm excited and he eager can still to be see. a good player. Yeah. I'm eager to see what he can bring in Florida and best. Like what a place to land. Obviously, uh, he started out his career in Anaheim. So he's from the beach, you know, went to the snow. Now he's back on the beach with a juggernaut of a team this season. Hell yeah. The guy's all smiles. I bet. Hall's probably pissed. He's like, God damn it. You're going to the Panthers, man. You're going to the Panthers. Where watch it, bitch. Where is he going? Like, we got we got a hit on that. Like, where is that Taylor trade? Hall by go? the way, Darren Dreger tweeted out it is imminent. So this podcast obviously uh recorded on Sunday. If you're listening on Monday, he he's he's gone because the trade is going to happen uh tomorrow at some time. It could be announced even in the morning. Uh I, Hoppy, he's going to Edmonton. He's going to Edmonton. Ethan Bear is gonna be in the deal, and the San Jose Sharks are gonna retain some cap. <laughs> I just don't want to believe you. <laughs> I stole that from Nick Floor. <laughs> like, I'm not even saying you're wrong. I just don't want you to be right. Tell me I'm wrong. Who do you think? Uh, no, I just said I don't want to tell you you're wrong. I just don't want you to be right. Um, I don't know. who. You look across the league, like, out of the contending teams that can actually afford to take anything, even if you do it, you know, the, the Doug Wilson three-way, there's not many teams that can really take him on is the tough thing. Someone's keep someone's keeping cap. It's the way it is. Someone's getting a draft pick to keep some cap and then Ooh, just, right just get that. people riled up. Uh, there is going to be a Doug Wilson special shit. We'll even include Doug Wilson in it. Taylor Hall's going out to San Jose and then he's going to come to Pittsburgh and everyone's going to get really, really upset. Ooh, you heard it here first. All right, we got to we gotta move things along here and get to Sunday's Tim Peel's Hot Mic of the Week. Hi, 
You're listening to episode 144 of the Soda Pod. Uh, thanks, everyone, tuning in on the live stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And, of course, on the podcast, if you're listening on this Monday trade deadline day. Uh, inspired by Tim Peel's hot mic, every Sunday we're throwing at you the Tim Peel's hot mic of the week. This one, stepping outside of the rink, stepping outside the, the world of hockey, uh, but staying in Minnesota. Uh, back in 2004, this is where this clip came from. Uh, Latrell uh, Sprewell was suspended for one game by the NBA in December of 2004 for yelling a sexual vulgarity at a female fan during a game. The latest uh, episode of a player clashing with spectators, uh, said the Associated Press at the time. Producer Pigeon, let's run it. Made a pass to himself defensively. The league stretches out to seven. Corey McGetty, hard to the basket, gets fouled by Sprewell. Sprewell with a foul, McGetty to the Sprewell with a foul, McGetty. So there you have it. Um, I know it was a little rocky there on the stream, on the podcast. It'll be nice, crisp, and clear. Hoppy, you, you caught that, right? I, I did catch it. Yeah. Um, so one to keep it in Minnesota. That has been your Tim Peel's hot mic clip of the week getting to use the pad for the first time feels nice all right on the other side mnc double a uh thanks everyone tuning in on the live stream and the podcast episode 144 of the soda pod presented by the hockey podcast (laughs) network You're listening to episode 144 of the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. And I can confirm that uh, the boys from Everything College Hockey on our last <laughs> our last MNCAA segment were howling and losing it and laughing because of that Power Rangers clip. Uh, they were in the lobby just going nuts when we were bringing them into the last uh, episode. And I had no idea. I was like, why are they laughing so hard? Why are they showing the camera to everybody? And then they came on laughing too. And, you know, we're all professional. You're listening to the soda pod, blah, blah, blah. And I messaged James after him like, were you guys cracking up because of the Power Rangers? He's like, yeah, man, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> that was a great impression you just did of yourself. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome to the ah, pod. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, MNCAA, uh, the boys at Everything College Hockey, uh, James Connor and, and the whole team, uh, they're they're coming back from Pittsburgh. Um, I'm sure they had a great time there. Probably a little disappointed that uh Minnesota team didn't take it. Hoppy, you're a little disappointed too, by the looks of it. Yeah, a little bit. Um it's funny too. My buddy's dad on Facebook, he's like posting like 75% chance of a Minnesota team winning. And then as soon as like one of the, uh, as soon as St. Cloud beat Mankato, he's like now 67%. That oh, dad is no. like, Oh no, now it's 50. <laughs> <laughs> eh, it's just, I don't know. It, it's too bad because it's hard to even say like, sure. St. Cloud could have come out with a little bit more, but UMass was on a fucking mission that game. Holy shit. And the shutout, I actually, the shutout victory. Yeah. 
Yeah, it wasn't Matt Murray, though, so I can't make as many jokes about it. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's one of those games, too, where like they never really looked completely out of it until that there was a power play for St. Cloud. UMass guy chips it out, gets to it, and ends up just absolutely embarrassing a defenseman, which I, I don't know what he was doing on that play. I don't remember who it was, but completely misses the guy and then gets a sloppy breakaway goal. And that was the dagger that pretty much ended my hopes. But I, you got to tip your hat to UMass getting there, especially losing one of the games from Lindbergh, losing their top scorer for COVID reasons. Yeah, I was just going to um, say, like, they they had a lot of adversity that they were just dealing with internally as a team too. So that that's crazy that they got the win despite all that. Yeah, and I mean, this shouldn't have, like, been a huge shock to anyone. Like as soon as Michigan was removed from the tournament, I had UMass making it to the championship. I I thought someone on the other side of the bracket would end up beating them, but like them being there wasn't this crazy epiphany. Like they had a all things considered, they had about as easy of a path as you could have to winning a championship. But team was great. That they've really turned that program around too. Like if you go five years back, that they've really just rebranded the university as a whole. I mean, shit, Kel McCarr had a lot to do with that, obviously, but of course, but it UMass wasn't a team that like people really talked about all that much. And now they're right there in the discussion with BC and BU. So, um, I mean, it's good for growing the game and making big East more competitive, but yeah, again, a bummer when you can't get a Minnesota team when there's three that make the frozen four. it's yeah. Hey, speaking of Kale McCarr, he actually appeared on uh, Pucks in Deep, the Everything College Hockey Boys' podcast, um, along with a few, actually, former college players who are now playing in the NHL. So, so go check that if you missed. Go check that out if you missed it. They have some video content uh, coming soon. Uh, and yeah. anything else, Hoppy, to to wrap up this season? Obviously, we'll bring uh, the boys back from Team uh, ECH soon to to give their rundown, and we'll do some. Some more of these segments, obviously, moving moving forward because they're not going to stop creating content and, well, we're not going to stop podcasting. But any, anything else, you know, sorrows aside that the Minnesota team didn't didn't win it, um, all, all COVID issues, you know, clouding this tournament and the season, I mean, what, 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 are some, what are some of your concluding thoughts on just the season itself, the Minnesota team's success um, overall and just making history to get to, to where they did? I mean, Minnesota team or not, like we all just need to be super thankful that we got to crown a champion, right? Last year, there wasn't yeah. a tournament, a lot of seniors who just never got that last swing at it. And uh, I, I think there's some teams like Mankato, especially making big steps where you can see them like really solidifying themselves as being a team moving forward. Um, we're going to see more players that maybe do end up signing as free agents that weren't drafted. Uh, the biggest thing for me unless I misread this, Sammy Walker is coming back for yes. his senior year with the Gophers. I, 0.000% chance I thought that he was coming back. That's fucking awesome. That does not happen very often for the Gophers, so I'm super jacked about that. Hey, um, there you go. Some positivity then, going into next season. Yeah, but then we got to watch Sampo Ranta eventually play for Colorado because he's gone. Oof. That sucks. But no, really cool. 
Awesome. Hey, well said, Hoppy. And uh, thanks to everyone tuning in on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Folks, the best thing you can do for us this week, every week, is give us five stars on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And hey, we have like over, I think over 30 ratings now on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. That's incredible. We want to see that hit, you know, 50 and 100. So if you haven't already, go on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, five stars. Tell us what your favorite beer is. You know, it's not for our egos. It's just to help us in the rankings. If you're a fan of hockey, and the NHL, uh, go listen to our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. There is a podcast for you covering every niche in the sport of hockey and every team in the National Hockey League. On your app, on whatever podcast you listen to, please download the episode before you listen as it just helps our business. Uh, Sean Cosgrove, he's commenting quick here uh, late. Uh, LaFontaine coming back too, he says, Javi. Which is wonderful. Which uh, we got, we got to talk about that. Sorry. <laughs> How do you nominate a goalie for the Hobie Baker, and he doesn't win the Richter? I, I makes no sense to me. And that's coming from a Gopher fan. I'm, I'm not upset. Lafontaine had a great year, like very deserving of that caliber of award. How do you nominate Dryden McKay for the Hobie Baker and not give him? Ah, like that's like nominating a goalie or in the NHL for the Hart and they don't win the Vesna. How does that make any sense? No collusion whatsoever. Uh, last thing I want to bring up on screen here, and this is a shout-out to 7th Avenue Pizza. It's a shout-out to Liftbridge. Hoppy coming out clutch with the tweets. Look at this shit. Look at this tweet. For those on the, on the live stream and checking out the video right now, is this chalkboard right here? 7th Avenue Pizza, Liftbridge logo, the fucking pizza and beer in this? Hoppy. Was this what you were doing? I know you're lifting up the pizza right now. We have another image up. We're not zooming in on you. It's not happening. I, I can see that. I know. I'm waiting for when no. it happens. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can. <laughs> I'll give you three guesses on who actually made the artwork on the chalkboard. Uh, okay. <laughs> not myself. <laughs> I was very impressed scrolling through this. That's Yeah, that's not me. I, I was creative enough to ask her to do it. Uh, Thank you, by the way, 7th Avenue. Matt. Pizza's going great right now. Um, again, he will be joining us here in the coming weeks. Uh, we just got to figure out a date and align calendars. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just so funny seeing you in this small box just holding the pizza. I mean, it's <laughs> just not like it's very difficult. to zoom in on you. No, um, I wasn't waiting for you. I was waiting for you to leave that picture you had. Huh? I knew it was coming. I didn't no, think did there was going to be that much discussion about the board. I'm fucking impressed. Well, now that I know that uh, who did it, I'm, I'm not that I'm, I'm more disappointed that you thought it was me. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I thought that's why you like left for like, because you're pulling back the curtain quick before we end the show, folks. Like 10 minutes before the show, he's like, oh, I got to quickly you know, go do something. Puts the headphones down. And I thought literally that that's what you did. Ah! Got it. <laughs> the pizza all right had to make the pizza man Jeez. don't forget to follow myself at vi sports talk you can follow the show at the soda pod on twitter and facebook and you can follow the hockey podcast network at hockey pod net on all social media and uh, now you can go follow us on twitch also at hockey pod net you can follow hoppy at state of hoppy on twitter and instagram uh if you don't already know instagram our friend joey netto who joins us every wednesday he's the instagram uh, state of hoppy your state of hoppy here uh, is is who you uh, is who you interact with on Twitter. All right, signing off. I'm Isha Jerome alongside State of Hoppy. This has been the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. You good, man? I'm good.
<laughs> Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. We're all a little crazy is brought to you by the Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. This is NHL great mental health advocate and member of the Same Here Alliance, Theo Fleury. This is 20-year professional sports executive, mental health advocate, and founder of the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement, Eric Cusin. This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate, and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance. We're so afraid as a society to rip the Band-Aid off the topic in a real way. Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. And that's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. Because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone, even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries. The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained. Yeah, it needs real, long-form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter. We have the greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet... The mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't working. Find me a person who hasn't faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways. This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time. No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality in our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will. Available on all podcast apps. Do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience.